The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Before we do that, I want to have Pastor Art come up real quick and uh, have you come up and just pray for the outreach on Saturday. Um, this is really, uh, we had a heart to reach out to single moms and help with these oil changes and do these things. And when we met up here and uh, started doing church here, was, we talked about different things that were in our heart and it was already in Art's heart too. The Connie's Garage is because that's something that his mom actually, who's a single mom, had started uh, even before. And so they had done these outreaches, serving single moms. And so we just want to pray that that goes not just well as far as us not breaking any cars uh, where we try to change the oil, but in these moms just really being blessed, loved on, refreshed, encouraged, and all those things. So I pass that on to you, Art, if you want to lead us in prayer on that. Yes, yes, man. Praise the Lord. It really means a lot to me. You know, my mom, uh, she, she, when she, I led her to the Lord. She came to the Jesus, and she was always sitting here in the front. And she had a heart because she raised seven of us single. And, you know, one of the things I never think about was the oil changes. So I, I really believe it's a time of ministry. So it really means a lot to me. She went to be with the Lord five years ago. And I wanted, I talked to Andy. And Andy said, Pastor Art, let's continue to do this. So for me, it means a lot. You know, I'll be there, Pastor. And uh, just for these moms, how we touch these moms' heart. They're going to be doing it, cooking for them, having breakfast for them. But most importantly, we want to minister to them, not only changing the oil in their car, but we want to put the oil of Jesus in their hearts. Right. So we see moms will get touched and be blessed. We don't want anything from them. Women, you're going to be praying for them. And us guys are, like you said, we're going to be working. not break cars, but fix cars or just change the oil. So let's pray that these moms will be touched. There's 33. 33. I think Carrie said 33. And I believe that each and every mom's going to be touched. And we're going to touch them. We're going to bless them. We don't want anything from them. We just want to bless them. That's what it's about. And uh, hopefully they uh, come to know Jesus or even come to this church. But more importantly, that we're giving back to the community. So it's a blessing. I want to thank Pastor Andy for continuing to do this. That's why it's called Connie's Garage. I want to bring a little poster with our kids on there yeah. and uh, be a blessing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for allowing this to happen. And these moms that are coming today, they, they, they believe they're coming to get their oil changed, and that's a good thing. They're coming because they need to get their oil changed. But, Lord, more than that, that their hearts would be touched, that the families here would just touch them, and we would pray for them, and that they would be encouraged. And, Lord, that they would be blessed. And, Father, for each and every person that comes and helps and participates, bless them, Lord. We're going to get more blessed and we even realize, Lord, we'll be more blessed. And just bless each and every person that comes and helps and supports this ministry. We give you, Lord, all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said? Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. All right. One more thing we've got going this morning is Michelle is going to come on up. We talked, you know, we've been for the last couple of months, every Sunday, having somebody come up and share their testimony. You know, the Bible says they overcome by the blood of the Lamb, right? And what else? 
the word of our testimony, right? And so Michelle has agreed to come share her testimony, which she does all the time. And she's just out there in front of crowds and people, right? Is this your first time doing this? This is her first time doing this. So uh, she has notes uh, in case she forgets her own story. I'm just kidding. I'm just giving her a hard time. Uh, but let's listen because the whole point of these is that when we share our testimony, right, it gives glory to God. It also gives hope to other people who may be going through something similar or know someone who is. So listen, because this isn't just stuff that God has done in her life. It's the same God that wants to do it in your life. Okay, so listen is something that maybe God would speak to you and that he wants to do for you. Amen. Hello, everybody. Those of you that have ADHD like me, now you know why I have notes. <laughs> so I am terrified, just so y'all know. <laughs> but I did want to come up here and share my testimony. So um, I was asked to give my testimony. And those who know me, I am an open book, and um, I am a work in progress. So first, I had to define testimony. A Christian testimony is about a person's journey as a Christian. But sometimes I really think we forget that our testimony is always changing. And we start a new testimony or create one every day. Um, so I, something I just really never thought about until I really just sat down and just really got with God and, and talked to him about what I really needed to say today. So um, as I sat down to think about what I needed to say, I started to remember the people and things that affected my life who I became, who I've become, and how my walk with Christ began. The little things get lost in the past. Sorry. <laughs> and when they finally get to slow down and you focus on the people and experiences of the past, you won't believe the moments that you can remember. So uh, for those who don't know me, I am Michelle Douglas. I was born in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, my mom, Julie, my dad, Steve, um, our amazing parents and grandparents. They unfortunately were divorced after 20 plus years. And today, they are the very best friends and live under the same roof. That is another story for another day. But the Bible says that one of the most important duties of a parent is to teach their children about Jesus in action and in word. I know I can speak for my sister and my family and friends to say that my mom and dad, you are a daily walking testament to our family and everyone that know you. So thank you, mom. Um, I have a wonderful sister who is almost 10 years younger than me. Her name is Nicole and she lives in Austin. Being she was so much younger than me, she taught me how to be patient and crazy all at the same time. I wouldn't change that for the world. I had the most loving grandparents, my Mimo, Mama, and Papa. They taught me how to love unconditionally, work hard in everything you do, and the importance of family. At a very young age, I was always excited when my mom and my grandparents told me I was going to go to my Aunt Jean and Uncle Herb's for the weekend. I knew as we arrived at their house for the weekend, we would be going to church. It felt cool to hang out with my cousin Steven at youth group, being that he was four years older than me. So he was the person that actually introduced me to what an actual youth group was. Um, I was the cousin that would show off doing cartwheels to embarrass him. In fact, he made me hide in the back seat of the floorboard of his car when he would pass by his friends after he marched in the high school football games. 
I couldn't wait to be old enough to go to high school youth group just like Steven. It looked like a blast, and I will never forget those days. They are a part of my testimony. In third grade, I met a girl named Elsa, or Lily as her parents called her. Lily and her family came from Columbia um, to the United States. I will say she was my best friend for years. We went everywhere together. Every Sunday, I used to go over to her house, and we would get in her family car. It was this long green car. I'll never forget it. We would head to the Catholic church service. But the funny thing is, I don't speak Spanish, and every word of the Catholic service was in Spanish. <laughs> so I would just sit there and take it all in. When I would go over to see Lily on a daily basis, Sometimes we would have to be quiet because her mom was in prayer. As a young girl, I would think, wow, I wonder what it was like to be in prayer with God. I said my nightly prayers, but never understood deep prayer. I never truly thought about how much that would impact me until I sat down to reflect on my Christian testimony. Lily and her family were such an important part of my childhood and I now have the chance to thank them. So thank you, Mama Elsa, Orlando in heaven, and Lily, you are a part of my testimony. I was 14 years old when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at a youth weekend retreat at the Whiteheads house. I would have never remembered the Whiteheads family um, if I wasn't asked to do my testimony. Um, I was attending Annaville Baptist Church and was part of their youth group. I went home and told my mom and dad, who were very excited for me. My mom always told me I would know when it, was be, when it was time to be baptized. She wanted me to understand the importance of the decision I was making, to understand that I was publicly proclaiming Jesus as my Lord and Savior of my life, knowing as I stood in the water waiting to be baptized, you symbolize Jesus dying on the cross. As you are lowered into the water, you symbolize Jesus buried in the tomb. And when you're raised from the water, you symbolize Jesus rising from the dead. I was just shy of my 15th birthday when I decided to get baptized. And it was a day I'll never forget. And this is a part of my testimony. Fast forward many years. I met my husband, and we married after five months. Um, still going strong after 21 years. Lance retired from after serving 20 years in the United States Navy, and I'm a very proud wife of my veteran. We have two wonderful boys, Zach and Caleb, that are the love and joy of our lives. Although my husband and boys were raised in the church, they do not attend church. Trying to figure out why they wandered from faith usually consumed me mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. An amazing lady named Heidi gave me many words of wisdom. And what I learned was to move out of God's way and allow the Holy Spirit to work in, the bo in my boy's and husband's heart. And although I used to feel alone in my spiritual walk, I know I am not. God is holding my hand alongside of me. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I am beyond blessed that my family supports me in my walk with God, and I am beyond blessed to show them God's love daily. And I love them with all my heart. So my boy's husband and Heidi are a part of my testimony. 
Now to the beat, church. You are all part of my testimony. I saw a Facebook post about ladies' group and showed up on to an address. I had no idea who the home was. To many of you, you would say that's smart, Michelle. I am thankful God led me to Andy and Carrie's house. It took a year to get me here. I thought Carrie was going to pass out when I showed up in church. She even cleared a whole row just to give me a seat. You have all shown me love, friendship, support, and encouragement. You have been there to support my husband and boys. You have taught and guided me spiritually, and I'm so grateful for every one of you. Thank you for being a part of my testimony. Thank you. How awesome. Isn't that a great reflection? You know, our testimony, sometimes we just say, well, what was the day? of my testimony, but really the testimony is, the Bible says that his goodness and his mercy will follow us, what? All the days of our life, that God constantly is putting things in our life. All right, we're going to jump in the word here this morning. Uh, Let's pray and uh, jump in. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would, uh, God, help us to uh, not only hear it in our heads, but in our hearts. God, that you would change the way that we live. Lord, by what you teach and by what you uh, put in us by your spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I am wearing this shirt today, by the way, uh, because we had a concert here uh, on Friday night. And uh, that was Daruji back here. And his wife even got up and sang. Jennifer got up here and, and sang. And we had, at the end of that uh, concert, had four different people uh, raise their hands to receive the Lord. So how awesome is that? So, hey, a concert where you can go and not just have a good time where you can be encouraged and be introduced to Jesus is a pretty cool way to do a concert, but it was pretty awesome. Um, and you can get his album and everything online. Go on, it's on all over the different Spotify's and all that kind of stuff. We love seeing God use the gifts of people that are in the church because this is not the only way that people find out about Jesus. This is not the only way that people are shepherded, discipled, encouraged. Whatever gift God's put in you is an opportunity that he wants to use to, to show himself to other people. So whether that's business or that's Uh, music or whatever it is, I just encourage you, give it to God and let God work through you. That's what he wants to do, amen? All right, today's word is the easy yoke, uh, stress less and live more. So we're going to talk a little bit about stress, we're going to talk a little bit about the difference that we can have in our life as we are followers of Jesus versus just kind of living in the world. Um, I actually wore a t-shirt, I had a t-shirt made that said, uh, have anxiety, ask me for help, and I was wearing it, I just went to uh, Sacramento this last a week, and I was wearing it, and three different times at the airport, I had people, I even forgot I had the shirt on, and I'm just standing there, and I had somebody walk up and just look at me and go, help, and I'm like, help what? Like, I don't work here, right? Like, I look like an airport guy, I don't work here, and they go, no, no, your shirt, and I was like, I gotta remember I have this shirt on, and so I started talking to him, and uh, one guy, he's like, you know, he's like, what do you do? What do you do for, for help? And I'm like, well, what do you do now? And he's like, a lot of weed, that's what I do. He goes, what else, what else do you got? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have anything to sell, but I got Jesus. And so I talked to him about the Lord and uh, had a great conversation with him on that. And then another lady was the one checking and scanning you to get on the plane. And all the flights were delayed and everybody's, you know, obviously stressed out and stuff. And I just walked up to ask her, like, if, you know, when she thought it would be taken off and I was in the right gate, hadn't gotten moved. And she just, I walk up to her, I started to ask her and she just looks at me and she's like, help me. Like, just like that. And I'm like, help you what? And she's like, 
your shirt. Help me. And I go, yes, ab- yes, absolutely. How can I help you? And so she's like, well, what can you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor. I said, I just, you know, I talk about God bringing peace. And she's like, okay, I, how can you help me with that? I said, well, do you want to pray? She's like, yeah, let's pray. So we had probably at least 100 or more people all like packed in around this thing. And she just like drops her head down. And she's like, pray. And so I just sat, prayed with her. And after that, her kind of boss guy came along and kind of just kind of took her by the arm and just kind of like walked her down the aisle back into the thing. And she never came back out. So I don't know if she got in trouble. <laughs> but the point is that there is a deep need out there for, for a relief from stress and anxiety. How many of you just in the last month have felt some pretty serious anxiety or stress? Okay, how many in the last week have felt some pretty heavy anxiety or stress? Okay, how many this morning felt some heavy anxiety or stress? How many of you are feeling it right now? How many of you are like, right now? Okay, it does, it, it's all over us. So I'm going to get into some different stats. There's some studies done, and it, uh, this first one it showed that people were overwhelmed. It said in the past year, 74% of people have felt so stressed that they've been overwhelmed or unable to cope with life. Like they literally said, I felt so stressed that I can't even cope with just doing my daily life. Like that level of stress, that means, what is that, seven and a half people. So seven regular people and a short one, right, are all there, okay? And are looking and saying, I'm that stressed out. So look around this room, okay? Statistically speaking, about seven out of every ten people here have felt so stressed in the last year that you just, for one reason or another, thought, I don't even think I can cope anymore. That's a pretty high number. This has impacts on behavior. Forty-six percent of those people uh, reported that they ate too much. Anybody here ever done that? No, of course not. Uh, Ate too much or they ate unhealthy due to stress. Okay, my mom believed that if you prayed over food, it was healthy. And that's all it took. Like, literally, it didn't matter what it was made of. And that wasn't, like, figuratively. She just literally believed that. If you prayed over it, it's okay. Like, Mom, you're giving my kids nothing but sugar. You're, like, pounding it down their throat. Like, everything you're giving them. She's like, we prayed over it. God blessed it. It's fine. It's like, okay, Mom. So, eating unhealthy, (laughs) right? Doing these things. Why to try to cope with what? Stress. So stressed out. I've got to eat. I've got to eat. I've got to eat this. I've got to eat that. 29% 29% reported that they started drinking or increased their drinking. 16% reported that they started smoking or increased their smoking, right? So sometimes, you know, people are starting to, hey, I'm going to quit smoking. You ever talk to somebody that said, you know, what, I'm going to increase smoking? Like my goal this, this, this year is, man, I just, last year I was smoking like this many packs a day or vaping this much, but, you know, my goal for 2021 is I want to do twice as much. Like I'm just going to smoke the heck out of everything because life is stressful, I'm going to see how much my body can take, right? There's these things that people do to deal with stress, and they're trying to find a reason. Psychological effects, 51% of adults said that they felt stress and they reported feeling depressed. That's kind of a side effect of stress, right? It brings depression. 61% reported feeling anxious, right? Stress is just this pressure. Anxiety is kind of this twitch. Like, oh, I, just don't, I, can't, I can't handle being here. It's like just this inside vibration that's going on. Of the people who said that they felt stress at some point in their lives, 16% had self-harm, 32% said they had suicidal thoughts and feelings. Okay, we're at church, but I guarantee you there's people in this room that have either self-harmed or have had suicidal thoughts. 
Okay, and so it happens. And it just happened to the weird person that's out there, the person that's on the street, or else the crazy person in the back of the room that never talks to anybody and never looks up. Regular people that you would look at and say, oh, well, they're just normal, they're happy, and they smile and shake hands and high-five everybody, have thoughts like this because of stress. So if that's you, and you're like, something is dramatically wrong with me. I am such a crazy, awful person because I've had these terrible thoughts. Well, guess what? It's not that uncommon. People have thoughts like that, even when they have a good life. As a pastor, I meet with people, and they've got a great life. They've got a great family. Things are going well. They've got a good job. And they're like, I don't understand, but I sometimes just feel like I don't even want to be here. It's like, what's wrong with me? Well, what's wrong is it's just a human condition. We live in a world that's full of these types of stresses and things going on. It impacts us. 37% of adults who reported feeling stressed reported feeling lonely as a result. Loneliness, isolation, right? All these things are going on out there. And here's the kicker. This particular study is from 2018. Okay, do you think that that trend has gone up or down since 2018? Up, way up. Suicidal thoughts, anxiety, drinking, all that stuff. I mean, when they close everything down, right, what did they keep open? They kept open liquor stores, right? Why? Because smart government knows. <laughs> if people can't calm themselves down some way, we're going to have trouble, right? And so they keep it open. Well, we're believers. We, that's not how we need to calm down, right? But we are aware that people need relief from stress. Jesus was as well. So significant causes of stress uh, the top ones that they had were health issues going on. People are worried and scared about their health. Remember, this is 2018, so these are only going up, right? Worries about health. Finances. Anybody ever worried about that? My money and my finances. Um, instant uh, messaging. Believe it or not, this is one of the top things causing stress, is that their phones are always dinging or something was always needing a reply. It's like somebody needs me to respond to them. And it's creating this just internal vibration of stress. Well, that's the society we live in. Again, 2018, it's almost 2022. Are we more connected now online or less? Far more, right? So all these things would trend up. Comparison. Anybody ever compare yourself to anybody? Anybody ever look and say, oh, man, I love the way Pastor Andy's hair is always perfect. <laughs> You're not the only one. You're not the only one. Every baby that's ever come to church had looked at me and said, wow, he looks just like me. <laughs> Comparison's a killer, especially because online people post what? Their best, right? They don't post their worst hair day usually. They don't post their worst argument or fight. You know, I was talking at a thing the other day, and I, if you saw the little video online of uh, Kira running up when I came home, she comes running up screaming, daddy, 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 after I was gone for a week, right? How amazing. What a great father I am. Right? She just runs up, she loves me, screaming for me. Well, guess what? That same level of desire to be with her dad sometimes is so cute. And sometimes, at two in the morning, it just makes me want to go drink again. <laughs> it drives me insane. The stress is through the roof. Like, kid, I saw you. I love you. I hugged you. I kid. But that doesn't go as well online as cute thing of a little girl running up to grab her daddy. Right? that all of this happens in life and this comparison that goes on, body image, right? Oh, that person's got a great body. You know, unless you're a teenager, you know, a teenage boy especially, then you just think your body's perfect no matter what. That's how teenage boys are. That's how they are, 
my son thinks he's stronger than me, he thinks, it doesn't matter. You could put a really skinny teenage boy, a really muscular one, a tall one, a short one, a fat one, doesn't matter. They all look at themselves and go, not bad. <laughs> not bad. This is me. All right, that's how they are. So, but most people deal with this struggle of comparison, right? And body image. Housing, am I going to be able to keep my house? Will I be able to pay my rent? How will these things go? A pressure to succeed. Now, here's the thing on a pressure to succeed. The highest age bracket dealing with that stress is actually in that 20 to 25-year-old range. Not adults. Like, they're adults, adulting and learning to adults. Not parents with kids and all this stuff going on are the most worried about pressure to succeed. It's in that age bracket where it peaks because there's all this pressure like, hey, you're out of school now, out of high school. What are you doing with your life? Where are you going? What's happening? Are you going fast enough? And there's all this pressure going on. And so all these things, though, aren't new. If you go back to Jesus' day, there's all kinds of pressure, all kinds of stresses, all types of things going on in life. And Jesus drops into the middle of the stresses and the pressures of life. They have different ones. If you did wrong things, you know, like now you're like, there's comparison. People don't like me, so they didn't like my post, or maybe they canceled me. Back then, they just stoned people. So pressure was high, stress was high as well. You know, a little different, but it was there. And Jesus drops into the middle of this. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 11. And I'm going to go, we can stay on that first slide, but I'm going to just skip really quickly to the end of it to give context of what we are going to be talking about. Verse 28 and 29 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Okay, this is thousands of years ago, and yet it still applies today. Come, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Right? Who knew that would be a universal thing? Different governments, different countries, all different types of circumstances going on, and yet people still deal with the same thing. That tells you it's not the circumstances that are creating it. Because it's always right? And so there's something else going on, but he says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we're going to get into the beginning of this Matthew 11, 1 through 6, and we're going to talk about this as not just something that's like a little religious thing, like, okay, Jesus, I come to you, give me, make my life easy and make it feel better. But Jesus is both a savior, but he was also a teacher, and he had disciples, not just believers. And the difference is a believer believes, right, unto salvation, right? We, we are saved by faith through the grace of God. And that is what cleanses and washes us through this work on the cross. And we have this opportunity to be right with God and to go to heaven. But that does not make your life any easier. What changes your life is actually being not just a believer, but being a disciple. And a disciple would actually follow the teacher and look at their actual ways of doing life and say, I want to emulate that and do that in my life. I'm going to become like that. It's like this boxing over here, right? I want to become a boxer. I believe in boxing. Throw me in the ring. Great. Enjoy having your face punched in. Unless you become a disciple and you actually learn how to box, right? Now you can get in and it becomes a sport. It becomes something you engage. You're in shape. You know how to do things. It's totally different. So 11 verse 1 through 6 says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. 
when John, who was in prison, now this is John the Baptist who was declaring that Jesus was coming, the Savior is coming to save the world. So John had this picture that the kingdom of God was coming, and the belief in the picture of that time was really that whenever that Savior came, that all the political things were going to be settled, that the Israel, the Jews were going to be saved, and that they were going to be put in a place of power and authority, and all their problems were going to go away externally, politically, community, all these things were going to be fixed. But here, John, who was preparing the way for Jesus, finds himself in prison. And Jesus is out there roaming around. So how many of you, you had a Savior that was coming to save you and set the whole world right, and now you're in prison and they're not helping you? So I came in prison for you. Are you going to come get me or what? This is where John's at. This is the situation that he finds himself in. It says, when he who was in prison heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? In other words, hey, it's great you're doing all these things to help people. But are you the one that's going to fix everything, or should we wait for the next person to come? Because, by the way, I'm still in here. I'm still in this situation. I'm in this struggle. So here's Jesus' reply. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So he says, I'm helping all of these people, the sick, the poor, the needy, the hurting, but he ends it by saying, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble because of me. Blessed is anyone who doesn't have a problem with that. In other words, the message going back to John is, John, this isn't what you thought, this isn't how you imagined it, but God's kingdom is happening, and don't let that be a stumbling block that it wasn't the way you thought it would be. But look at what God is wanting to do in people's lives. And so this is the first thing showing Jesus' way. As a disciple, not just as a believer, if we can learn to live Jesus' way, it changes how we actually experience life on this planet. Not in heaven, but here. So the first way that Jesus is revealed in that passage is that he rejects the expectations of the world to perform. People are saying, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is the way it should happen. And Jesus just rejected it. He just didn't go by it. He says, no, this is what I'm doing. I'm serving those in need. I'm helping the poor. I'm helping the hurting. I'm caring for those who can't care for themselves. And if you're not okay with that, it's still what I'm doing. Don't let it be a stumbling block for you because I'm not going to change. This is how I'm meant to live. This is my purpose. This is what God wants to do. So for us as disciples of Jesus, if we want to live with less stress and carry this easy yoke, because at the end of this chapter, he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What he's saying is the way I live, not just believe in me, but the way I live is an easier, lighter way to live. Wouldn't it be great if you could live without constantly being under the expectation of other people on how to do everything? Well, that's Jesus' instruction of how he lives, because as a person living with disciples, his very life is their teaching. It is their instruction. He's saying, do it this way. The other thing that we find in that first passage is that he lived to serve the needs of hurting people. If you want your life to have less stress and more life in it, more joy, more abundance in it, then one of the ways that Jesus lived that brought that about, the Bible says that he was anointed with the oil of gladness more than all of his companions. Jesus was filled with joy. He's not the person that you see on some of the old TV things where he walks around super somber and just like lifts his hand and says, you know, 
some mystical thing. He was full of joy. That's why all the kids gathered around him. And the way that he lived was to serve people in need, people who were hurting. If you want more joy in your life, it doesn't come through trying to just have the most likes or have the best profile or, or get the most praise and accolades for yourself. The way that it comes is through actually serving people who have nothing to offer back to you. I can guarantee you if you come on Saturday and you help with the single mom's oil change and breakfast, when you leave, you will feel better than when you came. You will. It's not a mystery. It's God's design. It's the way that he's done it. The kingdom of God is almost always inverse of how we normally would live. The Bible says his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Say, well, for me to feel better, I need my rewards. I need my alone time. I need my recognition. I need someone to help me. And he says, no, this is how I'm doing it. And I have the most gladness of anybody. And what am I doing? I'm helping people who can't even help themselves. And yet God blesses that. And their gratitude is typically so genuine that it just starts to fill your bucket back up. Help somebody who can do all kinds of things for themselves and all kinds of things for you. And sometimes your help is just a number. It's like everybody's, you know, they, they've got all that they need, so that's great you did that, but, you know, I got other people that I can have do stuff for me. Help somebody that there's no one else there to help them, and they're hurting and they're struggling, and that person's genuine gratitude is something that fills our heart and our bucket back up. And that could be whether you're an adult or you could be a kid, you could be in school. I mean, you guys are getting ready to go back to school. There's going to be kids there that are hurting, struggling, and that are having a hard time and that nobody else cares about. They're not athletic enough, they're not good-looking enough, they're not smart enough. Maybe they have a broken home and things are going on and they don't come in with enough charisma and enough you know, excitement, but you could be the person that gives and sows into their life, and God pours back and makes your life better and easier. Matthew eleven sixteen to 18, it says, To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man, so Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. This is all part of the same passage. That's why I'm going through the whole thing. It's all part of the same conversation. Jesus is saying, do you know what? John came and did it like this, and he was super, like, religious. He didn't drink. He didn't do all these things, and people said that he was crazy, and he had a demon, and they rejected him. I came and did the opposite. I drank. I ate. I spent time with people, and they said that I'm a glutton, and I'm a friend of sinners. So it didn't matter what I did. The world was going to reject. And you ever find that you do everything you can to try to earn approval? everything you can to try to like get the praise or the accolades or be in the right position you find out yeah people just still find the way to not like me or to be upset with me or to be agitated with me like it's still happening and so the way of jesus is not to go by that the way of jesus is that he lived for a purpose not for likes he didn't live for someone to give him approval or what he needed he lived for the purpose of god Say, I don't care if those are the things that, that you want to see because you didn't like it in that person. You don't like me doing the opposite. But I'm just living for the purpose of God. What's the purpose of God in your life? What has God called you to do? How has God called you to interact with the people at your work, with your neighbors, with your family, with the people around you? Say, well, yeah, I know, but I don't know if they'll like it. I don't know if they'll appreciate it. I don't know if they'll this. And yet, if you just 
put yourself in that, continue to live out the way that God's called you to live, right, God begins to bring results and fruit and connectedness out of that. I had a lady when I used to sell real estate a long time ago, and I asked her one day because she was struggling in her business and she was doing really, really hard and a lot of stress and things were going uh, bad for her. And I said, hey, can I pray for you, for your business? And she's like, no. I said, okay. And she's like, and not in private either. <laughs> she's like, do not pray for my business or me. Thank you. And I'm like, okay. But I kept doing what I was called to do. I was doing a Bible study at the office, inviting people to that. I was just representing God at the office, not over like trying to push on everybody, but making it available, putting a light there. And a few months later, I get the, an email from her. She's like, my friend is sick. Would you please pray for her? This lady who's like, do not pray for my business under any circumstance. Not even privately. Well, can I just think of, don't think about it. Would you please pray for my friend? And we wound up becoming very, very good friends. And it wasn't because of me, it was because of God. She wanted me to pray then for her son who's going through all kinds of mental and emotional issues. But why? Because I just said, you know, I'm not trying to get your approval or disapproval. I'm just going to live right here where God wants me to live and let that light shine. And so you have the opportunity to do that. We all have the opportunity to do that. Matthew 11, 20 to 21, then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. So he went and did all these miracles, he did all these great things, and people were still living for themselves with no care for God, just doing it their own way. And so Jesus began to denounce them. He said, Woe to you, Chores, and woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And so part of what Jesus talks about modeling is that when the goodness of God is coming in your life, when you're having testimonies like Michelle talked about, when all these things are happening, that the Bible says the goodness of God, the kindness of God was to lead us to repentance. While we're experiencing the goodness of God, it's an opportunity to take a breath and say, okay, God, you're being good to me. Thank you for this. How do you want me to live? That's part of discipleship. That's part of beginning to follow out God's way. When we do these things, and this is all leading towards the end of this chapter where he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When we do these things, we reject the expectations of the world to live God's way. We look at the goodness of God in our life and we repent of things that are outside of his plan and purpose and we begin to line up our life and live the way that he wants us to live. Right? Our life is becoming easier. That's the thing about a yoke. When you hook up in a yoke, there's two sides to that thing. You're putting your neck in it as an oxen. You're getting in there and you're locking yourself in and then the other person's getting in. Jesus, in this case. And now it's the strength of two that are pulling. It's the strength of two that are pushing. And the stronger one's doing most of the work. And so when we line ourselves up with doing things God's way, then now we're locked in with him and he's the one that's doing the heavy lifting in our life. He's the one that's pushing through some of the circumstances and difficulties in our life as we trust him and as we rely on him for those things. And so that's living a life set apart from sin. That's what Jesus was calling out for there. Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Do you know how much money is spent every year on self-help books? We're talking about a billion-dollar industry. The wise have so many ways to tell you how to live stress-free. And yet addiction goes up, up, up. Divorce goes up, up, up. 
Suicide goes up, up, up. And yet the wise and the learned have so many books to write and so many things to say about how to live a life with less stress, more peace, and yet the opposite's actually happening. Because God's hidden it. It takes trust and faith to come to God and say, okay, God, I'm going to live your way. I'm going to live according to your purpose. I want to walk in what you have for me. I don't care what other people think. I don't care if the world's approving or not approving. I'm just going to walk with you and trust you. I don't care if this is how I want to do it. This is how you said to do it. I'm going to line up with you, with your way. It says, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus is just saying these are spiritual things that only me and the Father can show you. We're the ones that reveal it. We're the ones, if you come to us, if you come here, I will pour this out upon you. And then he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's like Carrie said during the song today. You know, there's surrender, right? Followed by this peace in God, this strength in God. But first thing that comes is this really surrender. Okay, Lord, I surrender. I'm giving it to you could be as simple as worry. The Bible says, don't worry. Well, but I need to. Why? Why? Well, because it, it fixes my life. In what way? Jesus said that who by worrying can add even a, just a, a single measure to their life. Well, the worry is not helping. And so why not just give it to God? Why not just surrender and say, you know, I'm not going to worry. It's yours. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to change it. He says, come all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Not just believe in me, learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So what it's talking about here is having a meek and gentle kind of inner strength that comes from God. A humbleness. And a meekness is like, it's not about me or my strength or my power to make my life better or for me to fix all my circumstances or to make sure everything's always going right. But I'm going to have an inner peace and an inner strength that comes from me walking close to God for his approval and in his way. And as I do that, the peace comes in spite of circumstance, in spite of what else is going on. Jesus' way is not just a way to believe, it is a way to live. That's the yoke that he's talking about. You say, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe. He said his yoke's easy, but it's hard. What I would challenge you today is to look at your life, look at the different areas of your life, and say, is there something in my life that I am either judging by the expectations of others, I'm trying to live up to the expectations of others, I'm trying to get the approval of others, as opposed to accepting God's love and grace over my life, is there something in my life that's out of alignment with how God would have me live? And am I depending more on my own strength, my own ability, than I am on just walking with God and having a meek and a humble spirit and saying, Lord, touch my life. Lord, I'm trusting you for this. Lord, I'm walking with you for this. God, you're going to help me. You're going to help me with the job that I need. You're gonna, I haven't got promoted, but you're going to help me with the promotion that I need. God, you're going to help me to have wisdom in how to raise my kids. So, Lord, I'm just staying close to you. I'm being humble. I'm being meek. God, I'm just walking with you, trusting that as I do, you'll give me direction and wisdom for the things in my life. 
what my career is going to be, what's my next decision I'm supposed to make, who am I supposed to marry, what's, whatever's happening, Lord, I'm just walking close to you and trusting you. And if you can get these things lined up and begin to follow God's way of living, what you'll find is that the things that cause stress and agitation can't reach you. You're not impacted by all those things. You can live steady. You can, you can walk without all the stress and the heaviness and the burden that the world has out there. There's a, a Bible uh, a plan that we're going to do this week. starts tomorrow. So you can scan the code that should be popping up. And um, you can scan that to get on there. The way that these work is that you read at the end of it. There's a little place to post comments or to read other people's comments. And it's just a way for us to get into his word and to encourage each other in this. Okay, and the, the one this week is on freedom from stress, right? How to have freedom from that. And so it's getting into God's word. I just encourage you to read. It's a very short reading. Literally, it's probably five minutes of reading. But it pauses your day to reflect on God, reflect on his word, and say, you know what? The world is putting stress on me nonstop. But I'm going to stop and put my eyes on Jesus and trust him, and I'm going to share with somebody else. Well, I don't have anything smart to say in a comment. Do you know your comment could be the one that really helps somebody move forward that day? So I just encourage you, put a comment. Just put a little comment in there, read someone else's, and it's a way for us to encourage and build each other up in God's word because that builds faith for life. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? By the word of God. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you that your word, God, gives us not only what to believe, but God, you give us directions on life. Lord, I pray for everyone here that's been dealing with high amounts of stress or anxiety, Lord, worry, depression. Lord, that if there's anybody here, God, that's walking in that, Father, I pray right now that you would just bring them peace. God, peace not just for the moment, but, Lord, a peaceful way to live. God, they could realign their life in the way that you've designed it to be lived. God, to follow you closely, Lord, to be your disciple. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for being here. We do have food, some refreshments and drinks and stuff across the hall. Hey, stick around, get to know somebody, make a friend, encourage somebody. Maybe God will give you a word to share with somebody. Maybe God will have you an opportunity to pray for somebody. Maybe give somebody a hug, maybe encourage them. Whoever you're talking to, it might be that you are the person this week, today, that actually gives them the refreshment that God has for them. Amen? Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.